All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. So today's daf is daf chaf beis. We are picking up on chaf aleph on the base twenty one b, and we are picking up emir tzashem about twenty four lines up from the bottom. The easiest way just to illustrate it is just right across until tosos mai. Right across until tosos mai there. So we'll say so. Our share today is dedicated our Tamil Torah sponsor for the month of Adar Beis. Lay a soul. Dedicated all the Shi'urim and Joshua's this month in honor of all of those who helped with the beautiful groundbreaking. We thank Leah for her incredible generosity. With that, let us begin. So remember, we left off actually on a, a bit of a cliffhanger case, specifically the situation of, of Ashes Ahi Ha'im Min Ha'im. What is the erva status of a mother's, the one's mother's? Maternal brother's wife. What's the status of an Arab in that situation? So the Imar said, "My Tashma dechi Asra Yehuda Barshila Amr Amr They said in Eretz Yisrael, "Kol shebenekiva Erva bezacher Gazru al Ishto mishum Shnia." So we'll say it's actually a very interesting model. In Eretz Yisrael, they said the following thing: Any situation where the nekeva a woman is an Erva. Ultimately, again, in a corresponding case of a man, they were gozer on his wife. Sitting so, because of Shnia. So in other words, anytime you have a woman who's, a, who's an erva, the corresponding relationship, the corresponding relationship, the corresponding man's wife, ultimately will be a Shnia le erva Is that true? That that is a general rule? Chamoso erva. Well, let's look at this case. One's mother-in-law ultimately is an erva. Eishes Cham of Muteres. Yet, interestingly enough, the wife of one's father-in-law, who's obviously, again, not the mother of my wife, such a relationship is technically permitted. Similarly, Bas Cham also Erba, the daughter, ultimately, again, of my father-in-law is an Erba. Eishes Ben Cham also Muteres. Yet, Halacha the wife of the son of my father-in-law is Mutter. So it would appear that the Klal, the principle, does not hold true. Bas Chamov Erva, ultimately again the daughter of one's mother-in-law is an Erva. Eishes Ben Chamov Muteres, yet ultimately again the wife of the son of my father-in-law is Mutter. Chogeres Erva, Eishes Chogarto Muteres. So ultimately again, Chogeres Rose means, means again that the daughter of, the daughter of my wife is an Erva. Eishes Chogra Muteres, yet the, the wife of my son, my wife's son, is Mutter. Bas Chograso, ultimately again, the daughter of my wife, Erva. Eishas ben Chogro Muteres. Ultimately again, the wife, the wife of the son of my wife is Mutter. So the point over here the Gemara is saying is, it would appear that the rule doesn't always hold to be true. What does Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda Bashila makes this, makes this rule? What does it come to include? Doesn't it come to include the wife, ultimately again, of one's maternal's, of the wife of the mother's maternal brother. Ultimately, again, because again, re- restating the rule that we had before, though the rule that we just challenged, anytime you have a situation of a woman who is an erva, the corresponding relationship by a man 
ultimately his wife will be a Shnia, will be a rabbinic erva. So I'll say, why is it that in one case the rule seems to be true, in the other case, in the other construct, rather the grouping, seems not to be true? To which the Gemara says, We'll say, because ultimately, again, in one set of relationships, the relationship is created through one Kiddush. In other words, there's only one, one marriage away from affecting the relationship. In other words, it's a close relationship, versus the other group, where halacha lamaisa, it's two marriages away. So the idea being over here, where it's two marriages away, the erva relationship is a bit more distant, and therefore halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, it's not a shniya, versus the case which is a close relationship, will be a shniya. Good. Shalach leira mesharshia mitusnaya rapapi. Yilandino rabbeinu, rabbi tijas. Eishes achi avi ha'av. So we'll say, okay, so here we go. Eishes achi avi ha'av. So this is, again, literally, my paternal grandfather's brother's wife. Okay, my paternal grandfather's brother's wife. Or, v'achos avi ha'av. Or, for that matter, the sister, the sister of my paternal grandfather, Mahu. Ultimately, what's the status of these women? Is this an erva? Is this an erva? We'll say, obviously, again, we're only talking about in the situation of a shnia, right? We're only talking about in the situation of rabbinic arayos. None of these cases are going to be daraisos. But nevertheless, halacha lamaisa, that's the shayla mahu. So do we say that the generations that come down from these relationships, we'll say like in this, in this uh, family tree, like in the chart that I sent you yesterday, do we say that since everyone underneath these individuals ultimately is an erva, therefore again, therefore again, everyone above is also an erva, or maybe not look at Rashi, maybe we say no, we'll say no, at a certain point in time, what we do have to say, what the Gemara suggests, maybe we do say is, people are just so far away in terms of the relationship that Lamaisa, there can't be a din of Korva, there can't be a din of Shnir. In other words, at a certain point in time, if a person is so far removed, Halacha Lamaisa can't be a Shnir. So that's the Shaila. So Tashma, here we go. Mahin Shnios. Mahin Shnios. It's supposed to be American, we saw before in the Braisa. The Braisa said, What is the case of Shnios? And these cases are not included in the case of Shnios. To which the Shabbos say that would seem to indicate that they're not Shnios. To which the Gemara says, Tana Vashir, in reality, in reality, the Tana went ahead and left certain things off. Sa'aloch Alamais, again, the list of Shnios is not an all encompassing list. Some items were left off, to which the Gemara says, My Shir, the High Shir. So what else was left off? Shir, Shnios, Debe Rabbi Chia. Mose ultimately, again, it left off the Shnios of Rabbi Chia, which we're going to discuss in just a moment. Rabbi Chia has his own list of Shneos, and our Braisa does not include that list. So the Gemara says as follows, So ultimately, again, Ameymar said that the wife, of, the wife of my paternal grandfather's brother. Right? So the wife of my paternal grandfather's brother, and ultimately, again, the sister, the sister of my grandfather, Ultimately, Amemar said, Halacha Lamaisa is not a Shniya. It is not a Shniya. 
Amre Philol Ravashi, Lididi Chazilishnios Mar Braid Rabno, Uksivan Shisra the Isura. I saw myself ultimately the list of Shnios, according to Mar Braid Ravno, and there were 16 cases of Shnios. My love, Tamlio de Masniso, does is the 16 not made up of the following? Six of the Braisa, Vishis de Bey Rabichio, another six of Rabichio, Vahanach Tarti, and these two last cases as well. To which the Umar says, if you put that all together, Hashisar, Ulatamech, according to this logic, Shivsar Havion, in reality it should be 17. Why? Because there's another case. Doha Iko, Eishes Achi Haim Min Haim. I will say, what about the following case? What about one, the wife of one's maternal, the wife of one's mother's maternal brother? The wife of one's maternal, the wife, right, the. Let me say it differently. One's mother's maternal brother's wife. It's the easier way. It's sometimes hard to figure out the right formulation. The wife of one's mother's maternal brother. The Pashtina That's a case of it. So we decided that that's a case of Shnio. So shouldn't it be 17? To which the Gemara says, That last case is not a Kasha. Why? Look at Rashi. I'm sorry. Sorry. Tab of Chavbez. Not yet. Tab of Chavbez. Hanach. Tarti de Dam Because those two cases which are very similar to one another, ultimately, again, are counted as one case. Now, both say, look at Rashi, top of Chav Beis. Rashi says, Eishes achi ha'av, Eishes achi avi ha'av, the case of one's maternal grandfather, sorry, one paternal's grandfather's brother's wife, and the case of Achos avi ha'av, and the case ultimately again of my grandfather's sister. So those two cases are counted as one. Why, says Rashi? Both of them ultimately again are, are sibling relationships that exist on the paternal side. Okay, so Sligimar is suggesting already that we're somehow collapsing these cases. So therefore it's only Bahashisaran. So ultimately again, and therefore we're left at 16. 16 cases. To which the Yimars Vaha, Mikomokom Lididi Chazion Londixivan Li Isura. But I saw these cases before, the one that you said were Mutter. And ultimately, again, we saw that, I saw that it was written down in the list of, of Ravna. Right? Who was it? I'm sorry. It was in the. Marbre Ravna. And ultimately, it was listed for Isser. Amrale Ulatamech, Ihavik Sivlehetera, Mihavisam Chesalayu. And conversely, if it was written down the heter, ultimately again, would you have been slamech on it? So the Gemara says, "Demar dera, have you received the heter? Me have a samches alayu. Demar baravna, me chasem alayu. Ultimately again, did Marbrei deravna ultimately sign on this? In other words, just because you saw it listed doesn't mean that ultimately all of the cases were decided. Hashdenami dechsivli isura." So to over here, even though you see it recorded Isser, it doesn't necessarily mean that Marbury Diravna conclusively decided that it was Asr. Good. So we'll say so again. So what you begin to see just is as we go on, we begin to see that Halochalamaisa, we already saw yesterday's daf, that the concept of Shneos allows Chazal to extend the protective fence of Erva through multiple generations. In other words, right, it's not, it's not just the pshat that a shnia means one extra person. Ultimately, again, we see the concept of shnios allows the isr of erva to extend out. Good. How far it extends out, who it applies to, that is machlokis. So I'll say, let's begin. This is now another sogya. Still shnios. Don't get worried. We're still here. Turn to the Rebbe Shlishi shebebno. 
Vishabito, this is an interesting case of Osaid. What about the following case? Shlishi Shebibino. What about the case ultimately again of a th- oh thank you much, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, you can thank you. Thank you. I haven't made instant coffee in a while. It did not, not turn out well. But thank you. Thank you. Sidigmar says as follows. No, but you can, you can leave it, you can leave it. It's like Zechal Khurban. It's good. So Sidigmar says as follows. Tiny Rebichia. Shlishi Shebib Nov Shabito. So we'll say here we go. What about the following case? Thank you very much. What about the following case? Look at Rashi. Shlishi Shebibino. It's the second line in Rashi. Ben Bas Bino. So sorry, Bas Ben Bino. So we'll say this is literally again the daughter of my grandson. The daughter of my grandson, which effectively makes us what? My great granddaughter. Right? My great granddaughter. So Bas Ben Bino, Daha Bas Bino Erva. So we'll say a granddaughter is an erva. The Shaila is, the Shaila is, is a great granddaughter. An erva. So that's what it's called. Shlishi shebibno v'shebibito. Rashi says, bas ben bito, or bas bas bito. Right? What about, again, a great-granddaughter on my daughter's side? So a great-granddaughter on my son's side, a great-granddaughter on my daughter's side. What's the halacha? So we'll say, so now, now, what we're, again, this is the same question we're trying to figure out. Here's what we know. Chazal introduced to us the concept of Shneos, the concept of additional layers of erva in order to protect biblical erva. We're just trying to figure out how far out does this construct go. So the Gemara says as follows. So ultimately again, third generation, not from my son, great granddaughter on my son's side, or great granddaughter on my daughter's side. And ultimately, again, same thing on the son of my wife's side. Or the, or the daughter on my wife's side. Ultimately, you're about to say even third generation down is still covered under the rabbinic prohibition of Shnia. So, we'll say, so what this means is my great-granddaughter on my son's side, my great-granddaughter on my daughter's side, my great-grandchild ultimately, or my grandchild, I should say, on the son of my wife, the, son, the daughter of my wife, ultimately, again, all of these cases covered by Shnia. Revi Shebechama, Veshebechama also, Shnia, similarly again, the Revi'i, the fourth kind of generation out on the side of my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, ultimately is going to be is going to be a Shnia as well. But say, now what's this case? Look at Rashi. Revi Shebechamov, Dor Revi Shebechamov. The fourth generation on my father-in-law's side. What's that case? Hainu, Aim, Aim Chamov. So if you can imagine for a moment, the Revi'i over here is the grandmother of my father-in-law, right? Or the grandmother of my mother-in-law. These are going to be cases, the, the Gemara calls this a fourth generation because what it's looking at is as my wife as the first generation, my mother-in-law as the second generation, right? Her mother as the third generation, her grandmother as the fourth generation. So again, was, the Gemara says, this is still called a Shnia, which, which is pretty incredible. So in other words, you just, you, you begin to see, by the way, I don't know if in Halacha, if anywhere else in Halacha, you have such an enormous buffer, right? Because in general, again, Chazal go ahead and legislate their laws all of the time to create a protective fence around Torah. But, then, but again, but here, you really begin to see how far out this concept of Shneos goes. We're, we're, talking about, we're talking about grandmothers of in-laws, 
Right? That, that's how far this extends out, which I will say kind of goes back to the Gemara we had in Masechus Tainus of ultimately, again, every single person has a Yitzhahara for two things, right? For Gezel, for theft, and ultimately for immorality. So you begin to see again how seriously Chazal took this Yitzhahara for immorality and the need to go ahead and legislate in such a restrictive way, even multiple generations up. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. So remember, what's fascinating about this is as follows. When it comes to reckoning the generations above my wife, so my wife ultimately, again, is included in that tally. So for example, this is called the Revi'i. Why? Like we just said before, my wife is number one, my mother-in-law is two, my mother-in-law's mother is three, her mother's mother, her grandmother is four. Yet interestingly enough, when we count the generations down from my wife, we don't count the wife in that tally. So why is it that when counting the generations above her, we count her as part of the tally, but yet below, we, we don't? To which the Gemara says, To which the Gemara is very simple, Because we are all saying the generations above my wife, ultimately that Isser is an extension of my wife. In other words, why is it that my mother-in-law is Asura to me? Ultimately because she's the mother of my wife. So because that Isser stems from my relationship with my wife, Therefore, those generations are counted up. But in the generations below, where ultimately, again, the prohibition does not stem from my wife. Therefore, she is not counted in the tally. But that's not true. The case of, right, the, the wife of my wife's son, or ultimately, again, my wife's daughter. Those are Yisurim that, of course, stem from my wife, stem from my marriage to my wife. Yet again, ultimately, my wife is not reckoned just in the generational tally, to which the Gemara says, Sorry. Let's say that again. Since the Gemara went ahead and discussed three generations, ultimately again below him, and did not include the wife in that tally, ultimately again when counting the generations below her, we don't include her as well. So essentially, it's just textual symmetry. Okay, so says the When it comes to the Shneos of Rabbi Chia. I right? suppose, so remember again, we alluded to on the bottom of Chaf Aleph from Abayz, that Allah Chalamaisa Rabbi Chia has his own model of Shneos. So in that model of Shneos, which again, it only has, it has some additional cases than, than the Shneos that we had in the Mishnah. Or in the Bryce, I should say. Shneos Berlichia. Yeishlan Hafsik, Oinlan Hafsik. So we'll say this is a fundamental Shiloh, which is as follows. Halacha Lamaisa, how do we look at the Shneos of Rabichia? Do we assume that they keep on extending out? Which I will say would essentially effectively mean 
that at a certain point in time, there may be a rabbinic prohibition to marry people who are really not directly related to you, but Lamaisa secondarily related to you. So do we say, but again, not every single relation, obviously it doesn't extend in every direction, but do we say that the Shneos of Rabbi Chiyo ultimately continue on? Yeshem Hafsek or Einlan Hafsek? At a certain point in time, do we stop and say, Ad Khan Shneos no longer? Or no, do we say as the generations keep going, maybe even up and down, Halacha Lamaisa, the Shneos apply? Tashma, the Amarav, Dalid Nashim Yeshlan Hafsek. There are four women who have hefsik, which I will say ultimately, again, there are four relationships where there is a cap on the shneos. There's a cap on the shneos. So the Gemara says, and so th- does that indicate that it's only those four women and not anyone else? In other words, that in every other relationship, the shneos prohibition continues on. Dilma, to which the Gemara says, Dilma ki nisa. Maybe when Rav is talking about it, he's talking about to that particular b'risa. Not, not, not as a general cloud to every single person, but to him mention the b'risa. Tashma, shlishi, uravi'i. So we'll say, we learned before in the b'risa that it said a shlishi and revi'i, third generation, fourth generation. So what do you see from there? Shlishi, uravi'i, in tfeilo. So we'll say, that seems to indicate to us that what? That even shneos have a certain point in time where they stop. Where they stop, they'll go to a third generation, to a fourth generation, but ultimately, again, that is it. To which the Gemara says, Maybe not. Maybe what it means is that the Gimbraisa was saying these women, even from the third generation and on, even from the fourth generation and on, will still be a prohibition of Shneos. So listen to this. Rav says, Rav Nachman, did you see the Tamut Chacham who came from Eretz Yisrael? Va'amar ba'ubama'arava. And he said the following. They asked in Eretz Yisrael the following Shailah. Gazru shnios begeirim olo gazru shnios begeirim. So we'll say, so now we're, we're totally switching gears here for just a moment. So we'll say, so now remember, so first of all, I will point out that Allah we do paskin that shnios yeshlan hefsik, right? The concept of shnios does not, it doesn't just keep on extending, you know, without limit. At a certain point in time, it stops. That's what the Bryce was saying was, sometimes it'll be three generations, sometimes it'll be four generations, but for every single Shnira, at a certain point in time, the Isser Erva Midirabanan stops. That's how we pass him. Where it stops, who it extends to, which relationships it extends to, ultimately, again, that's subject to Machlokas. The Gemara now, until the Mishnah, just transitions to a new topic. And the Gemara says something very interesting. What about Geirim? What about by converts? Is there a concept? Is there a concept? Gazrushnios Begeirim? Oh, lo, Gazrushnios Begeirim. Both say, does the concept of Shnios apply to converts or not? Now, this is a fascinating question. Look at Rashi. Begeirim. Gazrushnios. Shem haya ger nasui aim imo yotze. They both say, just so understand why this is a fascinating question. That loch is as we're going to see. When a person converts, when a person converts, ultimately, again, it's as if they're reborn, like a brand new person, which means that what? On a halachic level, they have no relationship to their previous Gentile family. Halachic relationship, I mean. Which means, just, just to give you the extreme case, Right? We'll call him, we'll call him Plony, or we'll just call him Ger. Right? So Ger is born, obviously a non-Jew. He has a sister. He now converts. He now converts. 
Is he allowed to marry his sister, his biological sister? The answer is technically yes. Why? Because from a halachic perspective, he has no relationship to her. Now, Chazal said, you can't do that. Right? You can't do that. Why can't you do that? Because the Gemara says, think about this in just a moment. A non-Jew is also bound by a certain code of morality. Right? Shalom Yitzhak B'nai Noach. Shalom Yitzhak B'nai Noach tells you, you can't, incest is also, you can't marry your sister. You can't marry your sister. So the Gemara says, people are going to say that he went from Kiddusha Kala to Kiddusha Chimorta, that he went from a Kiddusha he went from a stricter standard to a lesser standard, right? When he was a guy, he wasn't allowed to marry his sister. Now he's a Jew, he's suddenly allowed to marry his sister. It doesn't make any sense. That was an obvious thing. There's a logic to why that would be permitted. But Chazal said it doesn't look right. Leaving aside the issues of marrying your sister, to a halachic sense, it doesn't look right because something that was prohibited to you as a Gentile now becomes permitted to you as a Jew. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, so let, let that be the background. So Rashi says, here's the example. Let's say a guy converts. Let's say a guy converts and this individual is married, Aim Emo is married to his biological grandmother. Like I said, don't ask why. Don't ask why, right? That's just the case. Rashi says he's married to his biological grandmother. So he'll say, so ultimately again, your maternal grandmother ultimately is a Shnia. Is a Shnia. So now, what's the Shaila? He converted now. He was already married to her. Do, does he have to divorce her or not? Is there a din of Shnios by Gerim? So says the Gemara, here we go. So says, Hashta, Uma erva gufa ilav shelo yomru ba'in mikidusha kamura likidusha kalo gazir bahura banan shnios mi boy. So we'll say the Gemara says something very interesting. This is, what, this is what I just mentioned before. The Gemara says, you know, at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it comes to erva itself, erva itself is technically, in other words, if the Gentile was married to his sister, technically, when he converted, Technically speaking, and let's say she converted as well, so ultimately he doesn't have to divorce her. That's a legal marriage. The only reason we say he has to divorce her is because people will say, People will say, look, he's coming from a stricter moral standard when he was a Gentile to now a more relaxed moral standard, ultimately again when he's a Jew. Ultimately again, look, therefore again, look, look, Sorry. So ultimately, again, I both say that Allah really Arayos themselves would be permitted to him, or that which was an erva when he was a guy, technically is permitted when he converts. So again, if ultimately, if that's only us because of Xera, it doesn't seem to make sense that we would apply Shneos to him as well. So the Gemara says as follows Umrab Nachman. The Gemara seems to indicate that the concept of Shnios would not apply to a Ger. Would not apply to a Ger. Again, remember, technically speaking, anyone who is related to the Ger at the time that he converts, is no longer halachically related to him, which means he could marry them. Chazal said, no, you can't marry them. Essentially, whoever was an erva to you when you were a Gentile, you're not allowed to marry when you become Jewish because it doesn't look right. It looks like you're going from a stricter moral code as a Gentile to a more relaxed moral code as a Jew. But again, I both say, see, see over here that even tech, what we would call technical arayos are permitted. It goes without saying, therefore, that Chazal did not legislate shneos 
on a ger, on a convert. Therefore, halacha lamaisa, therefore halacha lamaisa, the Gemara says, if he was married to Aim Imo, right, if he was married to ultimately his grandmother and she converts along with him, he would not be mechoyiv to go ahead and divorce her. Interesting idea. So the Gemara says, Nachman Gerim, Hal Milsa. Now that you brought up the, the topic of converts, let's talk about that a little bit. Achin mina Aim, lo ya'idu. So we'll say it's an interesting case. Interesting case. What happens if you have maternal brothers, right? Brothers who, who have shared the same mother, but not the same father. So what's the halacha? What's the halacha? So the Gemara says, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so maternally related brothers should not testify together. And if they went ahead and testified, ultimately, again, their edos, their edos is fine. There, this is fine. Similarly, again, the Gemara says, Maternally related, bro- sorry, paternally related brothers ultimately, again, have the right to go ahead and so, so um, have the right to go ahead and test it. I will say, so just to be clear, this is talking about converts, right? So this is talking about two brothers, two brothers who converted, so there are two different cases. One of them is where they share the same mother, but not the same father. And one of them is where they share the same father, but not the same mother. So in case number one, where they're achin mina'im, they are maternally related brothers who convert, they ideally should not go ahead and form a testimonial unit together. Now I will say, now why is that? Now here's what's in Luke Rashi. Lo ya'idu l'chatila dekorvas eim begerim korvahi this is fascinating. As much as we say that when a person converts, they're kekatan shenolad dami. They're like a person who was reborn, and therefore halacha lamaisa have no relationships to anyone, to anyone who was a relation to theirs in their Gentile state. Ultimately, it's not true to one's mother. It's fascinating. Why? Because Rashi says over here, the relationship that one has to one's mother is the strongest relationship that exists why? To havada imohi. Because Rabbi say, here's what's interesting is, the woman who birthed you, the woman who birthed you, is a definitive relationship. So the Gemara over here views something very interesting, which is maternally related brothers, even when they convert, have a familial bond to one another. Therefore, l'chatchila, they really should not form a testimonial unit together because they're related. They're related. They shouldn't testify together. If they did testify together, then what? The Gemara says, ultimately, it works. Right? Why does it work? Why does it work? Because what's our fallback position? When a person converts, it's like he's reborn. What about paternally related brothers? However, again, when you have paternally related brothers, Ultimately, in halacha, those brothers, when they convert, are viewed to have absolutely no relationship to each other. Therefore, again, halacha lamaisa, they are permitted to go ahead and form a testimonial unit together. Look at Rashi. Essentially, halachically, for a person who converts, Paternal relationship is absolutely meaningless. It's a really fascinating distinction here. Amemar says it's not true. Even maternally related brothers, 
Right? Even brothers who share the same mother and then convert are permitted to go ahead and give testimony. So we'll say, but why is that different than Arayos? Because we'll remember again, when it comes to Arayos, Rashi says, So we'll say, here's what's interesting. Ultimately, again, by Arayos, we're going to be strict with a convert who is married to anyone who is related to him maternally. Yet here we're saying that when it comes to testimony, he can give testimony together with his maternal brother. So why do we make a distinction between those two? To which the Gemara is very simple. Because when it comes to Arayos, when it comes to Arayos, everyone gets married. So because everyone gets married, we have to clamp down a little bit and be a bit stricter. However, again, when it comes to Eidos Rabosai, Eidos happens in a very limited purview. It only happens in the purview of Beisdin. And therefore, ultimately, again, and therefore, I will say, we're not concerned that if we accept maternal brothers, ultimately, again, as witnesses, that there's going to be any further breakdown, since that is a process that is controlled by the Beisdin itself. The Gershon is Kayer, Kekatan Shinol Adami. So I will say, essentially, what you have over here is really something incredibly amazing, which is, on one hand, we accept this concept when a person converts, ultimately, they're like a baby who's reborn. And therefore, what that means on a, on a relationship level is what? Anyone to whom they were related to when they were a Gentile, they are what? No longer related to now in their newfound state of Jewish identity, which means pretty much you could marry anyone you want. Okay, that's the pure halacha. Comes along Chazal and says, no. Anyone who was an erva, an erva to you, when you were a Gentile, when you were a guy, you are not permitted to now marry in your Jewish state. Why not? Because we're concerned that what it looks like is you went from a stricter moral code to a more relaxed moral code. However, what doesn't it include? Shneos. Shneos will be not usher, are not usher to the ger. Only what we'll call Iker erva. What will be biblical erva ultimately is usher to the ger, but shneos are not. What about when it comes to edus? So we'll say, bottom line, when it comes to edus is halacha lamaisa, whether brothers are maternally related, convert brothers are maternally related or paternally related, halacha lamaisa, they are permitted to go ahead and give testimony together, even lechatchila. Why? Because since testimony is a very limited halachic framework and it's given over to the purview of Beisdin, therefore, again, we, we go with the basic principle of Gershnitz, Geyer, Kekatan, Shinovadami. When a person converts, it's as if they are reborn and therefore their testimony is accepted. Beautiful. I will just point out to you something quite, quite beautiful. The, uh, the, the Be'er Shlomo, the Sefer Be'er Shlomo, he quotes over here from the concept that if you notice, and this is all over Shas. Whenever we speak about a convert, we always speak about what? A ger shenis gayer. And the Be'er Shlomo says something amazing. He says, that's not the right verbiage, right? How should it read? How should it really read? Goy shenis gayer, right? It's not a convert who converts. It's a Gentile, right? It's, it's a guy who converts. What do you mean ger shenis gayer? So we'll say, so this is absolutely beautiful. He said, listen to these words. Rebbe Yisrael has the same concept in, in his section on Shavuos, on Megillas Rus. He says, Because why? When a person converts, it's not just the pshat that it's a happenstance thing. That neshama of the person who converted stood at Harsinai with us. That never stood at Harsinai. Kimosh Kasev Chazal, 
The nefashos hagerim amdu b'maimad har Sinai. The neshamas of all future gerim stood at Har Sinai, said Na'as seven nishma together with Klal Yisrael. Plus, Rebbe Yitzchak expounds on this very quickly. Rebbe Yitzchak expounds on this a little bit. He calls the Zohar. The Zohar says the Cheshbaruch who offered up the Torah to every single nation. Right? We know it's, it's a Gemara. Offered up the Torah to every nation. And what happened? Every nation said, okay, what's in it? What's in it, right? So Yishmael, so Edom, they talk, Edom says, what's in it? And the Cheshbaruch who says, Lo Sirzach, he can't kill. Adam says, no, thank you. We like to kill. So sorry, we're not going to be able to take it. And it goes to Yishmael. What does Yishmael, what does it say? Lo sinat, you have to be moral. Yishmael says, ah, we like immorality. We like immorality. Everybody passes on it. Comes to, comes to Klai Zohar. So say, but listen to this. So the Zohar says, but the Umos, all the nations of the world, felt guilty for not accepting the Torah. So what did they do? They pledged Nishamas. They said, as a nation, we're not going to accept the Torah. But we pledge a certain number of people from amongst our ranks who are going to join Klal Yisrael in future generations. Gerim are those pledged neshamas. They are those pledged souls who were pledged at Maimed Har Sinai, who were pledged at Mount Sinai Har Sinai and joined Klal Yisrael throughout the generations. This is how Rabbi Yitzhak Abedichev explains Rus. He says the story of Rus is totally illogical. Why would a Moabite princess give up everything in order to join the Jewish people? To which the Rebbe says, essentially, her neshama was predestined. Her neshama was pledged already from Har Sinai. And that's what the Be'er Shalom was saying over here. That's what I will say. It's incredible. That's a Chazal. And Chazal, Chazal allude to this. That's a Chazal never used the formulation of Goish and Iskayer. It's not a Goish. Because Goish and Iskayer sounds like, again, you're a Gentile. It's always Gershon Esgayer. Then when a person converts, what they're doing is they're actualizing something in their neshama that was already there. It was already there. It was already, to, 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 so to speak, pre-programmed in the spiritual DNA of that neshama that they are going to join the ranks of Klal Yisrael. Gershon Esgayer. Incredible. But let's say Mishnah. Mishnah Mishnah. So that, by the way, that brings to an end Shneos a little bit, a little bit. And let's go. So now this is very exciting because now we're getting back a little bit to the mechanics. I know everyone loves the, the Shneos family trees, but we're going to go back a little bit to the mechanics now of, of Yibum, which is really fascinating. Whoever has a brother, now, interesting, the Lashon is an ach mikol makom. But say, what's an ach mikol makom? Any kind of brother. Any kind of brother, right? Any kind of surviving brother ultimately, again, obligates, obligates the widow in Yibum. Again, we'll discuss exactly what the Gemara is trying to highlight over. The Mishra Tali. And ultimately, again, any kind of brother is still my brother for all things. We'll discuss Chutz. Except I'll say if my father fathered a son with a shivcha or an Ovedas Kochavim, in that case, that boy is not my brother. Right? Because since he does not have a Jewish mother, therefore halachalamaisa, he's not my brother. So even though we are related paternally, he's not my brother. Right? The brother, brother. So I'll say, so I just want to point out this interesting idea. Yibum only applies to paternal brothers. But the concept of halachic brotherhood only applies to someone who is my, who, who is maternally, who, who's born to a Jewish mother, 
Right? If he's not born to a Jewish mother, halacha lamaisi is not Jewish. If he's not Jewish, he's not my brother. Once he has a Jewish mother, then we could build on other levels. So for yibum, having the Jewish mother is not enough. We have to be related maternally as well. But sorry, paternally as well. Anyone who has a son and any kind of son, any kind of son. So we'll say, if a man has a son, and we'll see what that means, any kind of son, this will exempt his widow from Yibam. Remember, we're going to say, Yibam only applies if a man dies without children. If a man has a son, any kind of son, his widow is Ptura from Yibam. And ultimately, again, a son is Chayiv. If he hits his father, if he curses his father, and this son, again, we'll discuss what kind of son we're talking about. Is my son, is, is his son for all matters? We just said before, except if a man fathers a child with a shivcha, a maidservant, or ultimately, again, a non-Jewish woman, that is not halachically his son, because that child is not Jewish. Good. So we'll say, let's analyze this. We'll say, how did the Mishnah start? The Mishnah started that ultimately, again, if a man has any kind of brother, right? Any kind of brother, again, that obligates the wife in Yibum. So what does that mean? So I'm Rabbi Yehuda Lasri, Mamzer. And we'll say, what does it come to include if my brother is a Mamzer? Let's say a man has a brother who's a Mamzer. We'll say, so again, very simple case. Father, Two boys, Reuven and Shimon, right? Reuven was conceived, we'll call it in, in regular marriage. Shimon was the result of adultery. Okay? So Reuven and Shimon share the same father, but again, Shimon is a mamzer. So Halach what the mission is teaching me is as follows. Even though Shimon is a mamzer, Halach Shimon is still Reuven's brother. Even though he's a mamzer, he's still Reuven's brother. And therefore, Halach should Reuven die without children, Shimon would obligate the widow in Yibum, or Shimon would be obligated in Yibum. To which the Gemara says, Pshita, that's obvious. Achivu, it's his brother. Why, why would you think that Shimon the mamzer is not Ruvain's brother, right? Why, why would you think otherwise? I'll tell you why. I might have thought, I'll say this takes us back to the beginning of Yevamis. I might have thought that what? They make a Xerah Shava of Ach Ach, right? This is what I'll say. It says Lashon of brother by Yibum. It says Lashon of brother when it counts the sons of, of Yaakov Avinu. Just like by the sons of Yaakov, they were all genealogically fit. I might have thought Xero Shavav Achva Achva from Yibam to Bnei Yaakov. Just like Bnei Yaakov, they're all genealogically fit. So too, again, by Yibam, they're all genealogically fit. That maybe the only type of brother who is obligated in Yibam is a brother who is genealogically fit. But if Shimon is a Mamzer, Shimon is a Mamzer, as much as he is the surviving brother and the paternal brother of Ruvain, perhaps there's no din of Yibam. Kamashwa, no. That's what the Mishnah is coming to teach me. A brother is a brother is a brother. I will say, by the way, what an incredible you sowed also in Achdos as well. Right? So I will say, even if someone's a Mamzer, he's still your brother. He's still your brother, I will say, right? In other words, it's easy to feel a sense of relation to those who are just like you. But the whole chap of achtos, the whole chap of being a mishpacha achos, being one family, being a klal, is that even though sometimes the people who we are related to behave like mamzerim, act like mamzerim, may even be mamzerim, they're still my brothers. 
Still my brother. Such an incredible yisod. They walking at me. Three more. Well, why not? Why do we make a gzera shavav achva achva from yibum to bnei Yosef and say that halacha lemaisa? Maybe if our brothers and mamzer, there is no din of yibum. Kevan de leinyan yibum miftar. Miftar niftar, all the Kirashi, Miftar Rashi says this Aishis Aviv Miyubum. So we'll say, I'll tell you why. Since everyone agrees that Halacha Lamaisa, let's say again, let, let's go back. Ruvain, well, let's let's lay Ruvain, I'm sorry, I keep switching the names. Ruvain has a son who is a who is a Mamzer. Right? Reuven is married to Rachel, Rachel, and he has an extramarital affair with Leah, who's married to someone else, and they have a Mamzer. They have a Mamzer. Now Ruvain passes away. As we're going to prove for a moment, and Allah in a moment, and Allah the existence of that son ultimately frees Rachel from Yibum. Right? Ultimately, so we see from here that having a son who is a mamzer exempts, exempts the now deceased brother, or exempts the widow from niftar. Since ultimately, again, the existence, when a man dies, he leaves behind the mamzer's son, it ultimately exempts. The widow from Yibum, therefore Amadeis, Miskak Nami Zakuk. Ultimately, again, therefore the existence of a Mamzer brother will obligate the widow in Yibum. So therefore, Bosai, that is what the Mishnah is coming to include. In when the Mishnah says, Ach Mikomakom, any kind of brother obligates, is obligated in Yibum, it means even if the surviving brother is a Mamzer. So Bosai, so now again, this gets into yesterday's discussion, which is quite fascinating, which is what? But one second, a mamzer is not allowed to marry who? Not allowed to marry who? Right? He's not allowed to marry a regular Jewish woman. So I will say, so I'm just going to point, so how that works, right? So again, essentially what's going to end up happening in a case where the surviving brother is a mamzer is what? What are you going to have to do? Chalitza. Right? But the point over here is that there is an obligation of Yibum slash Chalitza, even if the only surviving brother is a mamzer. Incredible. And ultimately, again, even if my brother is a mamzer, he is my brother for all, for all matters. So we'll say, what does that come to include? It means, again, to inherit me. Let's say, again, all I have is one mamzer brother, and he is my closest relative. He's going to inherit me when I die. And we'll say, if ultimately, well, your show could also mean I would inherit him. And I'll say, you know what else this means? Let's say we're a family of Kohanim. Family of Kohanim, and I have a Mamzer brother. My Mamzer brother dies. Ultimately, again, I am permitted to go to his Levaya. My brother is one, brother is one of the relatives whom you're permitted, Tukhan is permitted to become Tame. Even though he is a Mamzer, right? I am permitted to become Tame from So Gimar says, Pshita. I don't understand. Isn't that obvious? Achivu. So we'll say, a brother is a brother is a brother, right? In other words, at the end of the day, the fact that he's genealogically tarnished. Because ultimately he's the result of an illicit union. How does that change the mitzvahs that we come from the same father and both of us have Jewish mothers, right? Because remember again, you have to have a Jewish mother, right? So at the end, he's my brother. So why would I think that he wouldn't be my brother? In other words, why would I think that Allah, he wouldn't be chosen? So I'll tell you why. Because listen to this. When the Torah speaks about the license for a Kohen to go ahead and become Tommy for close relatives, the Torah uses the Lashon of the Sheiro Hakarov Elov. So the Gemara says, Sheiro Zu Ishto. Ultimately, again, Sheiro, Sheer, refers to one's wife. Cohen is permitted to become Tame for his wife. Uksiv, 
Yet the Pasuk says that ultimately, again, a husband, right? A husband Kohen should not become Tameh and profane himself. So which one is it? So is a Kohen permitted to become Tameh for his wife, not permitted to become Tameh for his wife? It depends. There are times where a husband can become Tameh, and times where a husband can't become Tameh. When? Sigmar says, Listen to this. By a coin, what's that locha? Can a coin go to the Levaya of his wife? And what's the answer? What's the answer? It depends. What does it depend on? Is it a legal marriage? If it's a legal marriage, he could become tummy for his wife. If it's not a legal marriage, he may not become tummy for his wife. You might have thought that maybe the same halach applies over here. Maybe a coin could only become tummy for his brother, who is genealogically fit, who's kosher. But for his brother, who's a mamzer, perhaps he can't become tummy. Kamash no. Kamash said that said we don't make that distinction. That interesting, although we make the distinction by marriage, that isn't the Sabosi, for example, if a coin married a divorcee, that is an illegal marriage. It works, it works, in other words, Kedushin is Tovsin. It works, but it's an illegal marriage. And then that wife dies. Halacha lamaisa, a coin cannot become tame for that wife. So why? So the Gemara says, but that only applies by marriage. It doesn't ultimately, again, apply to your brother. I, the Emahachinami. But one second, why, why doesn't it apply to the brother? Why don't you say the same way that a coin can only become tame for a wife who is fit, so to speak, so too can only become tame for a brother who is fit as well? The boss is actually pretty profound. Hasam la fuke kaimba hacha achifu. Well, it's a fundamental distinction, which is you can choose your spouse, you can't choose your family. In other words, they both say who you are related to as your brother is a de facto state, who you marry is an active choice. So both say this actually is incredibly profound. So therefore, again, my brother is my brother as a result of circumstances that are not of my choosing, right? I didn't choose for my father to go ahead and do this. So because brother, because siblings are a de facto state, therefore we don't look at the genealogical fitness or unfitness of the brother when deciding what his, he's my brother, he's my brother, as opposed to marriage, where ultimately I choose my spouse, again, if it's illegal, there are repercussions, if it's legal, there aren't repercussions, that's the distinction, they will both say, Halach comes out of here as follows, therefore, what the Mishnah is teaching me, is that if the surviving brother is a mamzer, ultimately, again, there is still a chi of yibum, Still a of Yibum. Now again, we, we know he can't actually do Yibum. It's going to end up being Chalitza. But Lamaisa, again, there is a Din of Yibum. Why? Because my mom's her brother is my brother for all matters. Which means, again, I inherit him if he passes away. If I'm a Kohen and he dies, I'm permitted to go and be Metame for him. That's Talacha. Good. The exception to this rule is, if my father had a, had a son with a non-Jewish woman, then that, that man is not my brother. He's not my brother. My shifcha, The Torah says that when a Jewish man fathers a child with a shifcha, with a maidservant, ultimately, again, the woman, the shifcha, and her offspring belong to the master. The idea Torah is teaching us that children that one fathers with a non-Jewish woman do not have the status of Jewish children. And therefore, again, by definition, it's not my brother. So ultimately, you remember, if let's say we'll call Reuben and Shimon, right? And now Reuben, is pa- Reuben passed away and he left behind a son who is a mamzer. 
Right, so in other words, Reuben was married to Rachel, but he had an extramarital affair with a married woman, produced produced a mamzer. So now the fact that when he dies, he is considered to have a son, to have a son, and therefore again, Rachel, his widow, is not subject to Yibum, because a mamzer's son is still a son. To which the Gemara says, Mikomakom la suyemai. So when it tells us that a mamzer's son is a son for all matters, what does that come to include? Our Rabbi Huda, la mamzer. So my time, uben ein lo ayin alav. So we'll say it's interesting. In the in the pasuk by Yibum, it says uben ein lo. Now ein could have been written without a yud, just aleph nun. It's written in the longer form with a yud. Ein aleph yud nun could also be vocalized as ayin ayin, which would normally be written with an i, which means investigate. Meaning that if there is any form of sun that this man has left behind, there is no din of Yibam, which means even if it's a compromised son. What's an example of a compromised son? A mamzer. See, even, even if Ruven, the now deceased brother, leaves behind the mamzer, ultimately, again, he is go- th- that exempt, that presence, the existence of the mamzer exempts the widow from Yibam. So I will say, ultimately, again, listen to this, listen to this. So if a mamzer strikes his father, right? A mamzer's son hits his father, he's chayiv for hitting his father, right? They both say, one is chayiv misa, for hitting their father, for cursing their father. See, even a mamzer's son is chayiv. Listen to this, was well, incredible. Amai, I don't stand, amai, karikan, v'nasi ba'amcha losar, ba'osa maisa amcha. They both say, the Torah says, v'nasi, and a, a prince, right? A prince, a leader of your people, you shall not curse. They both say, the Gemara darshins, ba'osa maase amcha. In general, when is there a chiyuv to avoid disrespect? Only when a person lives a proper life. If someone ultimately, again, flaunts proper normative conduct, then halacha the obligation to respect them and to revere them, is not intact. So we'll say, now watch this. If, if, we'll, we'll call, right, if mamzer, right, if there's a mamzer, that means that what? What does that say about his father? Not a good guy. Right? If he's not a good guy, then Lamais again, why does the Mamzer have the chiv of honoring and respecting him? And therefore, by extension, if the Mamzer hits his father or curses his father, why should there be a chiv? To which the Gemara says, Ultimately, what's the case? The father did tshuva. The father did tshuva. To which the Gemara says, Hi, bar tshuvahu. But can you do tshuva after you produce the Mamzer? What's the case when the Pashalam says in Koheles, something that is crooked cannot be made straight? Ultimately, what's an example of something you can't do chuba for? An illicit relation that produces a mamzer. You can't walk that back, right? That's it. To which the says, Hashta, Miha, Osemasa, Ukhara. We have to stop over. We'll pick up with this in Merit Hashem tomorrow. But the Yamarbala says, they make a very interesting distinction, which is <coughs> that sometimes Halachalamaisa, as much as you can't undo the repercussions of your act, the ability to do personalistic tshuva could still be in effect. In other words, I could have produced the result that I cannot walk back. That's the Mamzer case. But that doesn't change my personalistic ability to change. We'll, 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 we'll pick up with that last piece tomorrow and the merch to figure that out. Tomorrow we'll say, Shkoyach. Yeah.